Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Engineered Solutions of Georgia. Dial 678-ESOG now for a solution to your foundation and waterproofing problems. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. One final show from the friendly confines of our Dog Nation World Headquarters studios. Then after that, we are on our way to South Florida. In fact, we're actually doing that right now. I'm pre-recording this show, not like a day ahead, but just a few minutes ahead of when it normally airs. That way uh, I can be on my way down to Miami to provide some coverage live from South Florida the next couple of days, leading the game on Friday. And a uh, good show here, which actually leads into a busy day of coverage around Dog Nation here on this Tuesday. Obviously, Georgia Offensive Coordinator Todd Munkin expected to meet with reporters here today. Certainly be a lot of interesting things to come out of Munkin there on that. Stay close to the Dog Nation video channels for a whole lot more on that and DogNation.com there as well. We'll hear from Georgia players. Obviously, in our show, we'll talk more about the arrival of JT Daniels and, and George Pickens to South Florida yesterday. We'll have Connor Riley on to help us do some of that here in a moment. And I'm sure there'll be even more reporting kind of coming out of this as Georgia gets ready for a national college football playoff semifinal matchup against the Michigan Wolverines. We're obviously getting ready for that. And, and part of that here on today's show is a chance to hear from Kirk Herbstreit, who will call the game on uh, Friday night. And, you know, Herb Street, I thought yesterday, really addressed something. I was a part of a conference call that Herb Street was on, and Herb Street really addressed something that I, I thought was kind of interesting, which is that there is this assumption out there that Georgia and Michigan want to play the exact same game, the exact same way, the kind of thing that's, you know, going to be contested, as they used to say, in kind of a phone booth, right, where it's going to be three yards and a cloud of dust on both sides, and that's just the way this game is destined to go. But when Herb Street met with some of us reporters yesterday, Herb Street kind of painted a slightly different picture of that, at least when it comes to Michigan. That the overall profile of what they do is certainly very good running the ball, certainly very good with the physicality between the tackles and some of the stuff like that you've come to expect from a Jim Harbaugh coach team. That the actual overall story for Michigan may be slightly different than that. They could have some surprises in store for UGA, especially when you consider an area in which maybe Georgia was thought to have some questions going into the SEC championship game. Georgia defensive backs struggled some in that game. It's been described as a possible blueprint for how other teams can can, can knock off the Georgia Bulldogs. All of this leading to a pretty interesting chess match between the Georgia defensive coaches, whether it's Lanning or Glenn Schumann, Will Muschamp, obviously influenced from Kirby Smart on that too. And the Broyles Award winner is the nation's top assistant, Josh Gaddis, as the offensive coordinator for the Michigan Wolverines. Yesterday, having a chance to chat a little bit with Kirk Herbstreit, this is what Herbstreit brought to the table in terms of that battle between the Michigan offense, the Georgia defense, and ways in which the Wolverines are maybe a little bit different than you would assume they would be, this uh, Kirk Herbstreit on that. The one question on Georgia before the game, in fact, we taught Dan Mullen, uh, the former Florida coach, was on game day that morning. We A big emphasis, one of the segments we did was Georgia's secondary and whether or not if this Georgia front, which has been dominant all year, if they don't get home or Bryce Young is able to create, how good are they really on the back end? We just haven't seen them tested. What I've been impressed with Michigan, while the perception of them is an old school, tough, tight ends, running between the tackles, and don't get me wrong, they are at times that way. But if you've really watched them this year, it's the wrinkles that they bring to the table 
that are what has made this offense complete. You know, it's a reverse. It's misdirection. It's a halfback pass for a touchdown. Uh, it's bringing in J.J. McCarthy as a little wrinkle. It's just they do enough to not allow you to just, hey, it's Michigan. Here comes 25-2. and two. Let's put nine guys in the box. You can't do that against Michigan. So that's interesting what Herb Street has to say there. The J.J. McCarthy that he references, as many as you are aware, is five-star freshman quarterback. The Gaddis is also used to go along with McNamara thus far this year. And it kind of paints a picture there of, hey, you can't assume this is all just three yards in the cloud of dust. Yes, Michigan has good running backs. Yes, Michigan wants to be physical. And yes, both teams, I think, seek to be the more physical team in this game. But Michigan, to its credit, has done a pretty good job of playing off that physicality, of, of creating other things for an opposing defense to think about. And Herb Street went into more detail of if he is in charge of that Michigan offensive game plan, exactly what he would do to try to exploit what he thinks, you know, might be provided some opportunities there by Georgia. Herb Street, more on that from a teleconference yesterday. That's what Georgia and Kirby Smart and Dan Lanning have got to be ready for. If they think it's just going to be eye formation, two and three tight ends and ramming their head into a wall, Again, there's going to be plenty of that, but Michigan will find ways to be creative with the wrinkles and then get back to being who they are, which is Haskins' offensive line. But look out, I'm telling you, wrinkles and early down play action pass from Cade McNamara, where they can try to attack the Georgia secondary. I'd throw on first and 10 if I were Michigan, not wait till third down against uh, that pass rush led by N'Kobe Dean and those blitzing linebackers. I mean, listen, you know, we heard from Dan Lanning on this yesterday. We heard from the Georgia players, and you go to the Dog Nation YouTube page, you can hear all of these interviews. It would be Jordan Davis or Quay Walker, N'Kobe Dean, uh, Christopher Smith, a lot of guys, you know, talking there. They are seemingly chomping at the bit to get back on the field again and, and show that they are different than what they put on display against the Alabama Crimson Tide. And, you know, while Herb Street says whatever he wants to say about Michigan, I think almost everything that he says there is potentially true. This is still a wildly different opponent than what, Alabama, than what Alabama brought to the table in the SEC championship game because you had the Heisman Trophy winning quarterback and you had a guy like Jamison Williams. With all due respect, Michigan's just a very different opponent than what Alabama would bring to the table. But what Herb Street says there can't be discounted. This is a team that's a lot more than just three, four yards at a time, a lot more than just wanting to run the football. What Kirk Herb Street's essentially telling you is, hey, this is a game which defense is going to matter. Well, guess what? When you've been the best defense in the country all season long, you ought to want that to be true. You ought to want this to be a situation where defense matters. That, that ought to be the kind of thing that, that is good news to you. You ought to want to be able to lean on that Georgia defense. And, you know, listen – we have seen a lot already this season that that defense be a recipe for some of the biggest wins that have occurred. In fact, the reason why Michigan's in this spot in the college football playoff with a chance to compete for a national championship is because of its own defense, what it did against Ohio State in the final game of the uh, regular season. So if Herb Street's telling you, hey, this is going to be a game where defense matters. This is going to be a game where Josh Gaddis, the the heavily praised offensive mastermind for the Wolverines, he's going to be trying to pull out whatever wrinkle he can. He's going to be trying to you know to pull out you know any surprise that he get that he can find any any trick that he might have up his sleeves. Well, that ought to play right into the hands of what the Georgia Bulldogs want to do, which is go out and be the best defense in this game and prove that they are truly the best defense in the country. So a little something to think about, Kenner, off the top of the program here today that the overall 
profile of what Michigan's actually going to try on Friday might be a little different than some of us assumed to be. They might be a little more aggressive on early downs. They might be a little more aggressive throwing the football. And they might attempt to exploit a what some what uh, people suddenly view as a vulnerable Georgia secondary. They might try to do all of that. Well, if, if that's the case, then, then maybe this Georgia defense gets exactly what it needs, a chance to reassert itself. And we talked yesterday about the need to find that swagger again. The Michigan Wolverines could be the kind of opponent that allows Georgia to do that. Fascinating chess match here. With all the attention that's been paid to other areas of the Georgia program, the Georgia defense trying to stop this Michigan offense and whatever surprise it may potentially have in store for the Bulldogs, That's going to be a big part of the story of who actually wins this game coming up on Friday. My name is Brandon Adams, and this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans, presented by Engineered Solutions of Georgia. A little bit of a pre-record for us here today, but only a couple of hours early. So for the most part, you're getting live day of type content leading into a big day, as I said before, around Dog Nation all day long. I'm on my way to South Florida today. Can't wait to be there for this show with you tomorrow, but happy to be back in the friendly confines one more day before we uh, get there on all that. And a big thanks. To our friends at Engineered Solutions of Georgia who make it all possible. You know, ESOG, the one you turn to for your foundation, your waterproofing issues. And listen, we're just grateful for their support of our program. We love folks like Engineered Solutions of Georgia because they've been with us for a long time. Longtime friends of ours here on Dog Nation Daily. Also proud partners of UGA. Fun to do business with those that support UGA, those that support Dog Nation Daily. Love the whole team, Jay and the whole group over there at Engineered Solutions of Georgia. I also like them because of their dedication to solving your problems. They're a solutions-based company. What that means is, as a homeowner, one of the more challenging issues you might face, what to do in the wake of water intrusion in your home. You see the evidence of that. You know the damage it can cause. Those cracks that may show up in your wall, foundation-type issues. One of the more troubling things a homeowner can potentially have to consider around their own home. But if you're facing that, many of you have known for a while that you might be, go ahead and make the decision to let Engineered Solutions of Georgia take a look around, tell you what's really going on, and tell you how you can solve that problem. They may have some good news for you. They may say, hey, you know what? This seems like a big deal, but our expertise leads us to believe this is actually a pretty simple fix. Just do this and you're fine. Or if it's something more substantial than that, all the more reason to have smart people doing that work for you. Our friends in Engineered Solutions of Georgia are certainly that. They've got two full-time engineers on staff. They're also very easy to get in touch with. Phone number could not be easier to uh, remember. Simply dial 678-ESOG now. That's 678-ESOG now. That'll get you in touch with my friends at Engineered Solutions of Georgia. All right, so we got Connor Riley coming up in a moment. We'll do a Kroger Fresh Take with him. We'll talk about, speaking of the Georgia defense, the presence of Dan Lanning yesterday as the spokesman for this defense during the press conference and you know what that means for Georgia, the challenge of, of facing this Michigan offense as we just addressed a moment ago with the things that Kirk Herbstreet said yesterday. But speaking of Herbstreet and speaking of everything else that's kind of going on right now, before we get to Connor, let me go around the doghouse with you presented today by our friends at Georgia's own credit union. And there was obviously some really good drama yesterday. So, you know, it had been reported, you know, going back to last week that George Pickens had had a couple of negative COVID tests, that he might be in pretty good shape for the game, but was not really seen in Miami when the team arrived. Uh, JT Daniels definitely was not seen in Miami when the team arrived. And 
it was reported that he last week had had you know an official like he had tested positive for, for for COVID and he was apparently symptomatic and that's what led to that test and his status for the game was completely in question I guess to a certain extent it kind of still is as I'm speaking now before Todd Munkin does his press conference a little later on today hopefully he'll give us some clarification on some of this kind of stuff but the status of Daniels the status of Pickens completely unknown and then in kind of exciting fashion, you have these planes taking off, leaving Athens. They're on their way to South Florida. Apparently, Pickens and Daniels were on different planes. It's almost like how the president, the vice president can't travel together, <laughs> maybe for slightly different reasons. Pickens and Daniels couldn't travel together. Allegedly, they were on different planes, leaving Athens to come to South Florida. They arrived on the scene. Pickens had shared some social media stuff related to this of him there in the Miami airport and all of a sudden, you get a lot more excited about, oh, the potential of this. Is is George Pickens maybe going to be a factor in this game? Is JT Daniels now maybe going to be available to Georgia, even though at one point in time it maybe uh, seemed like he might not be? Um, is all of a sudden now, does all of a sudden now Georgia have a couple of extra playmakers at their disposal that they may have at one point thought they might not have? Now, it is certainly fair to point out that leading into all this, the indications that we were getting were that Stetson Bennett was still going to start this game and that the overall quarterback situation might not be wildly different than it has been, but the presence of a Daniels healthy enough to be able to play at least provides a, another potential option for Georgia. And all of this, as exciting as it is, the arrival of Pickens, the arrival reportedly of uh, JT Daniels, as, as many reporters have put out there, the arrival of, of these guys to Miami also adds to what has been a pretty dramatic situation for Georgia involving this offense, involving the quarterback situation in particular, the COVID stuff with Daniels, just the latest chapter in all of that. And of course, you can't deny that going into this game, there are a lot of folks who just sort of think that Kirby Smart has been making the wrong decision, Bennett over Daniels, and will likely continue to make what they view as the wrong decision when it comes to Bennett as the starting quarterback in place of JT Daniels. Herb Street in this teleconference that I was a part of yesterday was, was pretty candid about all of this. He talked about the perception that he notices related to the stuff involving Stetson Bennett and doesn't really hold back from saying that this kind of ratchets up the maybe the pressure a little bit on Kirby Smart to to hope all of this works out to the tune of a Georgia victory on Friday this is Herb Street though from yesterday talking about the criticism that he knows that Stetson Bennett's received and his own early perception of what Stetson Bennett might have been as a quarterback pretty candid remarks here from Kirk Herb Street take a listen to this I remember when he came in from Mathis and I didn't know who he was you know I, I didn't follow his story at that point and he came in and I I uh, Respectfully, I mean, he looked like just a little guy coming out there. And I think people have doubted him his whole time he's been there. And I think it's provided this chip that we now have learned to love about his game. And even with everything he's done, there's still people within the, you know, your own people that cover the team and, and especially the fans that are like, where's JT Daniels? First, for example, in the Michigan game, if he throws a pick, you can just feel the energy like, <clears throat> what is JT Daniels going to be in there? What the hell are they doing? Kind of thing. And yet this guy's been incredible. I think his mobility has been critical to just, just keeping plays alive and a good complement to what they're doing with, with the running game with White and Cook. So it's interesting to hear Herb Street acknowledge that, yes, he notices the criticism. He's seen that. Herb Street makes it pretty clear that he's not a part of that 
group that's criticizing Bennett, but but he certainly certainly says that he's noticed that and he acknowledges that as a storyline going into this game that you know there is some some restlessness here and there's frankly a lot of you know tension, maybe even anxiety on the part of uh, Georgia fans uh, about the fact that hey, this is a do or die situation now. You know, you had a little bit of margin for error in the game against Alabama, but now in the game against Michigan, it's either win or go home for the entire season. And, you know, what happens if Georgia does face a deficit a little earlier in this game? And ultimately, in the mind of Herb Street, there's only one thing that can quiet all this down. Those those calls for a quarterback change, those suspicions that Smart might be making the wrong decision. In the, in the mind of Herb Street, there's really only one thing that he thinks will will change all of this and cause all this to stop. And he spoke more about this yesterday, Herb Street, once again. How do you get over that hump? You beat Michigan, you play in the national championship, you play well, and you, you beat Alabama. Other than that, I don't know if anything's going to allow this perception. And I don't, th- by the way, I don't agree with it, but I think that's, Yes. How, how do you change that narrative? That's what you do. You don't turn the ball over, play, play. You don't have to, you don't have to be Bryce Young. You, you know, you don't have to be Joe Burrow throwing for 525 the other day against the Ravens, but you do have to go out there and, and make some plays and, and put the ball in the money and not turn it over and win. And then you go to Indianapolis, you do it over again. You, you avenge a loss, the only loss of the year. That would make the narrative completely go away. Anything short of that, I think you'll 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 find people that'll be questioning whether or not they're they made the right call uh, in going with him all year. Again, please don't put me in a position where I'm agreeing with that. I just think that'll be uh, the, the narrative from a lot of people. I think there's a lot to unpack there from what Herb Street says, and you could spend several minutes doing so. We don't have enough time to maybe get into all of that, but a couple of things here. I find it to be really interesting that Herb Street, like a lot of the national media, willing to acknowledge the criticism that exists of Smart for making the quarterback decision that he's made, but makes it very clear that he doesn't want to join in that, doesn't want to be a part of that. And you may say, well, that's just because Herb Street's an establishment guy. He's not going to go against the coach. But the truth is, Herb Street's shown a willingness and ability to speak his mind when he wants to in the past. In this particular case, you get the impression that he doesn't want to do that, that somehow, some way, he doesn't necessarily believe the common opinion that's out there in regards to Smart or maybe in, in regards to, uh, to, to Bennett there. He, he doesn't want to acknowledge that, doesn't want to be thought of as being part of that. But he is willing to say that this is a high-stakes situation, that when it comes to college football playoff, when it comes to having been number one in the country for most of the season, that if the season for Georgia were to fizzle out with two consecutive losses, Alabama back in December, early December, um, Michigan coming up on Friday, if the season were to fizzle out and end that way, then of course every decision is going to be scrutinized and every choice made is potential fodder for criticism. That, that Herb Street totally acknowledges that Smart faces a high-stakes scenario for making whatever choices he makes, but in this particular case, the choice to play Bennett instead of Daniels, especially if Bennett goes out and doesn't have a good game against the Wolverines on Friday. But finally, though, the, the, the point that you heard Herb Street in that particular clip make more than once, I, I do think is really important to consider here, is that the definition for good play from Bennett on Friday, I think, has got to be, as Herb Street said there more than once, avoid those turnovers. Don't throw interceptions. That's got to be the biggest issue. you got to throw the ball. you gotta, you got to make some plays. 
but you've got to do that without the potential penalty, without coming at the cost of also throwing interceptions. When Bennett has struggled, that's been the issue. It's been it, it's been interceptions. It's been turnovers. It's been giving the ball to the other team. And on Friday, that's the thing that he's got to be able to avoid. And if he can't avoid that, if he can give Georgia what he gave the dogs and some of the other, other games this season, then he could go a long way towards writing a pretty nice story for himself here uh, in the college football playoff. But the issue is you've got to be turnover free. You've got to be you got to be careful with the football. That's been the big knock on Bennett, and that's the criticism that he's got to answer for in the game on Friday, showing that he can go out there and make good throws without turning it over. It's one of the uh, one of the crucial aspects of this game on Friday, and interesting there to hear Herb Street uh, discuss that as a part of a teleconference we had a chance to be a part of yesterday. So good stuff from the guy who will call the game for ESPN there on Friday the uh, notable analyst, Kirk Kerbstreet. That's also around the doghouse. It's presented today by our friends at Georgia's Own Credit Union. Of course, this time of year, so many of you making those holiday gift purchases. And one of the great ways you can do that is with my friends at Georgia's Own Credit Union. So many great incentives when it comes to being a member there at Georgia's Own. One of those is one of those Visa Signature and Platinum cards that you can sign up for. First of all, there's all kinds of conveniences associated with a uh, Visa Signature and Platinum card, including contactless payments, which is kind of a cool thing. But when you have one of these Visa Signature Platinum cards, you can also earn a bunch of stuff like uh, rewards. It can be used for anything. Gift cards, travel, cash back, merchandise. Also, as a bonus, you can get up to $150 when you open a new Platinum or Signature card. There are some restrictions that apply, so make sure you check out the website for more on this. It's georgiasown.org. That's georgiasown.org. You can uh, check that website out, find out how you can get yourself a Visa Signature or platinum card uh, today. All right, good to have you with us here on our program. Before we're done, an ESPN talking head, a different one, has picked Michigan to win the national championship. We'll talk about what that means for the dogs and how that maybe kind of relates to something we actually kind of got into in yesterday's show. Plus, there's more news around the SEC, uh, including you know, kind of some interesting stuff coming out of the Alabama program right now on guard for an upset against Cincinnati. We'll tell you what they're saying about that here right now. But before that, on everything that's happening in Miami, on everything happening with Georgia's preparations for the Orange Bowl, let's get the latest from our buddy Connor Riley. It's a Kroger Fresh Take. Glad to have him and you with us on Dog Nation Daily here today. From Athens and across the SEC or wherever the recruiting trail may lead, here's a DogNation.com insider. And time now for a Kroger Fresh Take with Connor Riley as we look more at the Orange Bowl and what's going to happen for Georgia on Friday in Miami against the Michigan Wolverines and a chance to punch a ticket for the national championship game. And I guess, Connor, we'll start with this. Uh, kind of some fun late afternoon, late evening drama yesterday as reportedly JT Daniels, and we can confirm uh, because of social media, George Pickens, on the scene there in uh, Miami, uh, landing late and I guess joining the team here. You know, certainly two big names, certainly uh, a lot of fun drama. Not sure what it means for the game as of yet, but uh, interesting to have both these guys who had been reported to be dealing with some COVID issues before Christmas, I guess now with the team there in Miami. What did you make of all of that yesterday? Yeah, conspicuous timing uh, with regards to the CDC announcing that they've shortened the quarantine isolation period from 10 to 5 days. And then within hours, JT Daniels and George Pickens are in Miami. You, you wonder if they got the uh, CDC notification and then within, what, 30 minutes, an hour at most, they're on a plane to Miami. As far as, like you said, the, the game on Saturday, I'll be interested, I guess, to, to find out, and, and we won't really know more until Kirby speaks 
on Thursday, how much JT and George practice because, I, I mean, while everyone wants JT, and I don't see, I mean, when I say everyone, I mean a large section of the vocal fan base wants to see JT play quarterback. The biggest reason that he's not playing quarterback right now is because he just wasn't practicing for what seemed like a month when he was dealing with his flat injury. And so I don't know how you can expect to see JT Daniels play when he's already missed a handful of practices. And, you know, depending on what, how he reacts to his COVID symptoms, how much he's going to be able to practice today. And then from my understanding, Wednesday and Thursday are going to be lighter practices. But, you know, this is a game where Georgia needs to find a way to win. And if JT gives them a shot and sets in plays, I think, like he did against Alabama, Georgia's going to consider all of that. You know, with George Pickens, it'll be interesting because, you know, they were trying to ramp up his reps, you know, even beforehand. And you, you wonder, you know, the, the magic number there I had thought was 25. Can you get George Pickens to 25? Well, now you're probably more looking like the rep situation that you saw he had against Alabama, where it's probably going to be in that 15 range if you could even get there. Yeah, I agree with a lot of what you say there, including tempering the expectations for Pickens a little bit. And some of that's even based on what Kirby Smart said about Pickens, you know, prior to understanding that he was maybe dealing with his own COVID situation. Uh, But as far as like the Daniels thing goes, once again, I, I agree with most of what you say there. And I would also add to it that even if the plan was that Stetson Bennett was going to remain the starting quarterback, and I have no reason to believe that anything other than that is what was going to take place, to, to have uh, another capable quarterback in Miami is still a really big boost for Georgia. For instance, on, on the other side of things, had, had had you not had Daniels for this game, had he been either still sick or in quarantine or, or whatever's been going on with him, all of a sudden now you're one Stetson Bennett injury away really turning to a guy that's played no quarterback at all and Georgia's chances of winning under those circumstances would obviously go way down right and you know this is going to be a physical Michigan defense Aiden Hutchinson David Ajaba two very talented defensive ends you know Stetson's been able to stay healthy and available all year but last year against Florida took a hit to his shoulder and that impacted his ability to play so uh, at the very least a healthy JT Daniels and I put healthy in air quotes down there in Miami gives Georgia at least as close to a full chamber as it can have. You know, obviously, I think if he had had full practices and been able to avoid COVID, there's an increased chance that we do see him, or at the very least, we see Stetson on a shorter leash. But again, with the, him missing valuable practice reps, we know at the very least since last Tuesday he missed practice. So he, he missed, I think, one final practice that happens before the holiday break. And then he missed the Sunday practice and the Monday practice. So those missed practices add up. I thought it was a little weird yesterday. I'm curious if you did as well, that Dan Lanning is the one that, by, that, that spoke during the Georgia defensive press conference, that, that he was the representative as the defensive coordinator. Obviously, he has been defensive coordinator of Georgia. But, you know, when it was announced that he was moving on to become Oregon head coach, although staying with UGA through the playoff, there was a lot made of the announcement of a co-defensive coordinator situation between Will Muschamp and, and Glenn Schumann. And yesterday, Lanning said that, hey, not that actually all that much has changed. We're still managing this the way we have all season long, which is fine. But it seems to run counter to the announcement that Smart made when it was announced that Lanning was, was moving on to Oregon. And I'm not necessarily suggesting that any of this is necessarily a bad thing. 
But it's one of those things where if Georgia were not to win against Michigan in the Orange Bowl and if Georgia has more defensive breakdowns, the likes of which they had against Alabama, then I think some of the way in which these responsibilities were distributed or in some of the ways in which I think the defensive situation has been kind of clouded uh, post-SEC championship, I do think that will be called into question a little bit more, either fairly or not. What did you make of the fact that it was Lanning that spoke on behalf of Georgia yesterday? I was not surprised that Lanning spoke yesterday, but I think that's maybe because Kirby just doesn't want to give, you know, an extra extra nibble from either Glenn Schumann or Will Muschamp. I think you know the one voice, one one voice policy that he has employed. I think that it trickles down to the coordinators, and Dan Lanning is still entitled the defensive coordinator for Georgia. As far as you know, second guessing or whatnot. I mean, I I understand why some people would say that, but would you have just rather once Lanning took the Oregon job, he be, he vacated his defensive coordinator title altogether and go ahead and start working at Oregon, and we have seen Muschamp or Schumann sort of take over that larger defensive coordinator role? Not necessarily. I think that that Lanning being here is fine, and I also understand why maybe he wants the extra attention as the Oregon head coach of being connected to the college football playoff. I, I guess what I'm saying here, Connor to try to answer your question is that it'd be one thing if Georgia was looking like a well-oiled machine defensively then well who really matters who does the press conference who really matters who makes the defensive calls this Georgia defense is impenetrable except when you come off a game which you didn't play well there is going to be extra scrutiny for what's going on there and to have an announcement of co-defensive coordinators and yet none of those guys being the one that speaks yesterday does kind of speak to you know, a, a little bit of, I guess mystery is the right word there, and mystery doesn't always work well in concert with a defense that was not exactly perfect the last time it played. Yeah, I just, Kirby very clearly doesn't, or does not care if there's public mystery. It's it's why practice in part was closed yesterday, and it will be closed again for the rest of this week. Uh, you know, that, that sort of stuff, the public mystery, the public angle of it doesn't really bother Kirby's part. And I do tend to believe that behind closed doors, they know what the plan is. They have a plan of action in place with how this defense is going to be employed uh, on Friday against Michigan. And so, well, I understand why some people might react the way that you are reacting and, and they have those thoughts of, well, hey, if the Georgia defense struggles again, you know, this looks a certain way. I, I think I feel confident enough behind closed doors this team knows what it is going to be doing defensively it's our Kroger fresh take with Connor Riley here on Dog Nation Daily here today and of course as you get ready for your pregame watch parties and your tailgates and everything else you got going on here this time of year Kroger a great choice for all of that as you roll into the new year New Year's Eve parties so many fun things going on at Kroger right now so make sure you check out your local Kroger for a lot more on that Connor will finish with this one of the things we talked about before you joined us here a little bit today is something that Kirk Herbstreit said as a part of a teleconference you and I both were part of yesterday. And I thought this was kind of interesting that there's this perception that, hey, Georgia-Michigan's the kind of game that's going to be played in a phone booth, as they used to say. You know, two teams that are quite content to have sort of a physical contest and both teams want to run the ball. And obviously there's a lot of respect for these uh, Michigan running backs with good reason. Yet the one thing that Herbstreit kind of pointed out, and this is, you know, certainly relevant given the fact that Josh Gaddis is the Burles Award winner, the nation's top assistant, and uh, everything that, that the Wolverines have had going on this year, is that the overall profile of the Michigan offense may be a little bit different than some people assume that it is. They want to try to be creative. They want to try to get playmakers involved. Now, are these playmakers the likes of which we're used to seeing in the SEC, or are they a lesser caliber of that? We'll find out on Friday. 
but to a certain degree that this is probably a, a Michigan offense that's a little bit different than it's than it's kind of commonly given credit for. Would you agree with that? Yeah, it's not the sort of man ball. I think what you saw from Georgia and say in 2018 or 2019 offense, it's an offense that can do a lot of different things. And while it is not the the Alabama offense, this Michigan offense has really good players, I think, at the skill position. You know, Hassan Haskins is a very talented running back, as is Blake Corm. Even Donovan Edwards is a guy who's taken on greater importance for Michigan as the season has gone on there. Eric All is a really talented tight end, and Michigan's going to play two quarterbacks on Saturday. You know, Kay McNamara is sort of the efficient guy, uh, the guy who's going to be in there, you know, for the most part in key situations. But J.J. McCarthy is another guy from Michigan who is going to play, and they will have a plan in place to employ him and get the most out of him and his athleticism at the quarterback position. So while, yes, it is not what you think of as sort of the recent national title-winning offenses, it's an offense that has had no issue putting up points. They put up 42 on Ohio State at home, and then they put up 42 again against Iowa. So while you know, sort of similar to Georgia in this aspect, it's not that we're going to move the ball up and down the field. We're actually going to play to the strength of our defense. It's still an offense that is capable of making you pay if you aren't disciplined and if you do not match their physicality. Connor Tuesday sets up to be a very interesting day with uh, Todd Monk and the Georgia offensive coordinator expected to meet the media and whatever else happens there from Miami. I know you're covering it all and watching it very closely. We appreciate that. We look forward to reading a lot of what you have to uh, write there, dognation.com, and, of course, talking to you again on our program very, very soon. Thank you for your time. Yep, as always, it was a pleasure to be in. Let's take a look around the rest of the league. This is SEC Through. Great stuff from Connor Riley. We appreciate him being a part of the program and know as Todd Monk and the Georgia offensive players speak to the media here on this Tuesday that Connor's going to have some great stuff for you on that there at dognation.com. By the way, speaking of great stuff, one of the things that we're so excited about, especially in kind of a celebratory mood, hopefully with Georgia as the national champions, we hope so anyway, when we go on our Dog Nation cruise coming up in April, you've heard us talk about that on Independence of the Seas with our friends at Royal Caribbean, going to Nassau in the Bahamas, going to Perfect Day, Coco Cay, that private island in the Bahamas, which is exclusive for those on a Royal Caribbean cruise ship. Uh, this is going to be a great time. It's not just a cruise. It's a Dog Nation cruise aboard Royal Caribbean. That means there's going to be special Dog Nation events. And to make it as special as it possibly can be, we need you on board there as well. So many of you have told us you plan on being on board. Many of you have already booked your travel, and we can't wait to be on this experience with you. So please do this for me. Check out dognation.com. Go to the top of the page right there. There's a link in there for the uh, our friends at the Cruise and Vacation Authority. They'll help you get booked up and be on board and ready to be a part of this coming up in April. That's April 25th through the 29th as we leave out of Port Canaveral, going to Nassau, going to Perfect Day Coco Cake, coming back. Uh, there on the 29th, the Dog Nation cruise in April of 2022. Can't wait to have you on board. Check out dognation.com for a lot more details on that. So let's go cruise around the SEC right now, courtesy of our friends at Royal Caribbean and the other college football playoff semifinal game over in Dallas in the Cotton Bowl featuring uh, Alabama and Cincinnati. Some interesting stuff kind of being said by Alabama related to all of this right now. You know, Will Anderson was kind of asked about, hey, being the favorite now against Cincinnati, Alabama is the biggest point spread favorite in the entirety of the bowl season uh, after having been an underdog against Georgia. And what Anderson said was, you know, listen, in my mind, we're still the underdog. In my mind, we've been disrespected all year. Now, that's probably pretty silly. No, I don't think anybody 
really takes all you know that all that seriously when Anderson says something like that. But it does kind of tie into to something that I think Nick Saban has talked about a little bit too. In fact, he's talked about that within the last few days of that the worst, as he calls it, worst kind of rat poison is this rat poison of, well, you're going to go out and win easily. I think they're very much on guard for that against Cincinnati. That may seem like a, you know, kind of coach speak or whatever. That may seem, you know, pretty, you know, pretty silly. Alabama's a huge favorite. I don't think the Cincinnati game is going to be very close. But I think in the Alabama eyes, in the mind of Saban, certainly, because he's been around now for a while, this is the kind of thing that they're pretty concerned about because of the history this program has. I mean, we've talked to our buddy Mike Johnson about this. Mike was a part of a national championship team for Alabama in 2009, but prior to that, he was also a part of a team that went to a bowl game against a Utah bunch who was not very well respected. This wasn't a college football playoff game. Alabama had very little to play for against the Utes, but Utah beat Alabama. They kind of embarrassed them in the process there. And that's the kind of thing that kind of lingered with that Alabama program where you go to a bowl game. You could say the same thing a little bit about Oklahoma a couple of years after that, although Oklahoma is obviously a big name brand program. But the point is, is that under Nick Saban, Alabama has actually had a couple of issues in the past. The Utah game from 2008 in particular, where maybe you didn't have respect for your opponent. Maybe you believed that all you had to do was kind of go out there. You would win easily. And it didn't happen. Now, the motivation level for Cincinnati in the college football playoff is you know, obviously far different from that. But because of what Saban in particular has been through as Crimson Tide coach, going back to that Utah game in 2008, the idea that he's trying to instill into his Alabama players that don't let anybody tell you not to take Cincinnati seriously. Don't let anybody tell you to do that, at least in the case of Saban, and it seems like it's rubbing off on Will Anderson. There's a little bit of backstory as to why that might be. Now, you also hear occasionally from some folks who think that Cincinnati maybe has a chance to keep this game close. I just don't know that I'm buying that. I think that, unfortunately, this is a Cincinnati team that week to week just hasn't played well enough this year to, to make you believe that something like this is possible. Going on the road and beating Notre Dame is a far different type of thing than beating Alabama or even playing it close with Alabama in a neutral site situation, college football playoff. That's the kind of spot we've typically seen the Crimson Tide play pretty well. But uh, obviously, there's a mindset approach that Alabama's trying to take to kind of make all this happen. Uh, there was news yesterday involving Georgia defensive coordinator Dan Lanning, now Oregon head coach, that he's hired Tosh Lapoy as his defensive coordinator. We talked about this in the show a couple of weeks ago, that the rumor was out there that Lanning might be targeting Lapoy. Of course, uh, Lapoy most recently on Urban Meyer's staff with the Jacksonville Jaguars as a position coach, now becoming Oregon defensive coordinator. This is a big-time hire. Lapoy was Alabama defensive coordinator in 2018. Obviously, he was kind of scapegoated for the loss to Clemson that year's national championship. He was a very young guy at the time, but he's you know thought of as a dynamic recruiter. Uh, he obviously has you know very strong credentials. That's a pretty big time hire for Lanning. What it really kind of speaks to here is what we've said before, which is that these Georgia assistants, upon becoming head coaches, man, they just really seem to have a plan. You know. Pittman surprisingly hired his Arkansas head coach he a lot of ways probably couldn't have seen that coming yet the moment he's hired he kind of hits the ground running he gets Kendall Bryles he gets Barry Odom he brings in Felipe Franks and he really sets himself up for a pretty successful first year especially considering how more about uh the uh, Arkansas program had been prior to him taking that job you know Mel Tucker you know what he does all you know first year there at Colorado but then at Michigan State brings in all those transfer guys and gave himself a chance to be competitive here this year really had a plan in place for all that and now you see Dan Lanning young guy somewhat surprising that a coach as young as Lanning would get a job as as prestigious as Oregon but 
Lanning's response to, to getting that job, even though he's only doing kind of partial duty right now as working head coach, still with Georgia through this college football playoff, his response to that is to really have a pretty organized plan of attack for the Ducks right now. So, so pretty impressive stuff by Lanning. I think the LePoy hire is a very big deal and an example of maybe what he's going to try to bring there to Eugene, uh, a young guy who's apparently very focused on building a winner there at Oregon. So uh, pretty interesting credit to Lanning for getting all this done. We'll make that your SEC through. And here on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Palo Window and Door of Georgia, I want to turn our attention back fully to the Georgia Bulldogs here in a moment. But before we do that, though, I, I do want to give a quick shout-out to my friends to finish Long Drink. Obviously, a lot of you getting ready for a great New Year's Eve. You're getting ready for a big tailgating day coming up uh, on Friday, or at least in a home-gating situation for some of you. Well, the Finnish Long Drink goes great with all of that. You've heard me talk about this now for a while. It's uh, from Finland. You know, starts there in Helsinki going back to the 1950s. But it has been now in America for a couple of years, and now it's in Georgia, wherever you might be. So if you go to thelongdrink.com, you can learn about all the different varieties. There are four different varieties for the Finnish Long Drink. The traditional in a blue can, which has kind of a gin kick with a kind of grapefruit flavor. The Long Drink Zero, that's zero carb, zero sugar. Long Drink Strong, that's 8.5% alcohol by uh, volume. The Long Drink Cranberry, which as you might expect, the cranberry flavor to go along with that gin kick. It's a ready-to-drink cocktail in a can, and it's a perfect experience for you as you're enjoying ringing in the new year, hopefully cheering on the dogs to a victory and everything else you have coming up for this New Year's weekend. So check all of that out online, thelongdrink.com. Find out where you can pick some up, whether it be at a bar or a beverage store or whatever else. Uh, It's a great experience. A lot of you, like me, have kind of grown to love this over the course of the last year, and some of you are still waiting to try it. So thelongdrink.com, you can put in your zip code and find out where you can pick up some and try it here this week as we get ready to ring in the new year and celebrate with these George Bulldogs. All right, so speaking of the dogs, opponent on Friday is the Michigan Wolverines. And there's no doubt when you watch some of the national media stuff right now, whether you read, you know, profile of Aiden Hutchinson at CBSSports.com, what's being said at ESPN on ESPN TV right now about Michigan, that clearly the team in the spotlight is Michigan. Georgia right now is not that team. Georgia right now is kind of the other team in this game. Part of that's because, you know, Michigan's a big fan base, hasn't been in a spot like this in a long time. A lot of this has to do with the fact that Georgia lost its most recent game. All of this kind of speaks to what we said yesterday, which is that, hey, you know, Georgia may be limping into Miami a little bit, but being in South Florida, going through the practices that it's going through right now, this kind of provides that chance for Georgia to to kind of get its, you know, get, get its swagger back a little bit, you know, to kind of do that if that if, if, if as a way of giving itself the best chance to win coming up on Friday. And maybe feeding off some of this love for Michigan right now, maybe it's a, a good way to do that. Maybe that's a recipe for all this for Georgia. I'll give you an example of this from kind of one of those sort of hot take artist, you know, analyst type guys over at ESPN, Dan Orlovsky, who says that he's broadcast a couple of Michigan games this season, seeing the Wolverines up close and personal in those moments, enough to make him believe this Michigan team's about to win it all. Win, not just beat Georgia on Friday, but win the national championship after that. This Orlovsky from ESPN TV earlier this week. I'm taking Michigan to win the whole thing. Um, wow. Go I, blue. I, I, I'm doing it because of this, Molly. So I, I called two Michigan games this year. I called Michigan in the first game of the season. Mm-hmm. Uh, they played Western Michigan. And uh, I just remember walking outside of that game or out after that game and going, that was a di- different Michigan feel than it had the past years before. And, you know, Jim Harbaugh infused so much young talent into that program. Um, they have an uh, unmistaken identity. 
Um, and then their season kept getting better and better. I called their game against Penn State when I thought they played fantastic. And I think that at the line of scrimmage, they can match up against Georgia very well. I think they've got enough play. Hassan Haskins, who's their starting tailback, is like tackling. Um, it's like tackling Aaron Donald. I mean, he is six foot two, 230 pounds. Blake Corum is their change at back is awesome. I think Caden McNamara, their quarterback, is significantly better than people give him credit for. Um, so I think that Michigan, because I trust on both sides of the ball who they are on a consistent basis, week in and week out, I think Michigan wins the whole thing. So I play that for a very simple reason, total agenda. Like, I hope that does provide a little fuel here for UGA. This is kind of the stuff that's being said about your opponent right now. This is the kind of stuff that's being said about Michigan right now, this unstoppable force, this unbeatable team, the kind of team that 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 George is going to have to sort of scratch and claw and fight just to stay close with because of how, of how dominant Michigan is right now. And I don't mind telling you, you know, a moment ago I talked about Alabama's mindset going into the game against Cincinnati where it seems like Saban's trying to conjure up a little bit of humility. He remembers the loss to Utah a few years ago and – you know, Will Anderson, the star defensive player, saying that he wants to keep that underdog mindset. And maybe that's the right approach for Alabama. It truly might be for the specific reasons that, that I mentioned a moment ago. But for Georgia, I get the sense that's not quite the way that Georgia should be approaching all this. I get the sense that what Georgia should be doing is the opposite of that. I think Georgia's got to find, as I said yesterday, it's going to find its swagger again. I think a little bit of cockiness would serve Georgia well. This, this notion that, no, this is still SEC versus Big Ten. This is still you know, top recruiting classes against you know, sort of much, much less uh, of, of a caliber of, of talent there in this Michigan program. This is still a team that, that, that started the year unranked Michigan Wolverines against the Georgia team that has been number one for most of the year and began the year as a uh, top five type team. There is still a chasm when it comes to the perceived talent of Georgia in comparison to the perceived talent of Michigan. Now, ultimately, is the game going to be as easy as that? Probably not. But Georgia reminding itself of who it is, reminding itself of what it once was, and laughing at the notion of what people think Michigan is now in comparison to Georgia, I think that I think that works pretty well for UGA here this week. If you're looking to circle the wagons, if you're looking to change the energy, if you're looking to to get something back you may have lost on that field in Atlanta a couple of weeks ago, this type of thing to me is as good a thing as anybody else. All those people who are saying that Georgia can't win, all those people who are saying that Kirby Smart's made the wrong choices, the wrong decisions, all those people who are saying whatever they're saying, Georgia has a chance to make all of them look foolish on Friday. And I hope they take this chance seriously. I hope they take this chance to to, to heart here that, that there are a lot of people who wonder what Georgia's all about right now well on Friday against Michigan in the Orange Bowl Georgia has a chance to provide an emphatic answer to that that all the things that we once believed true about UGA are still true and that it's actually Georgia not Michigan as Dan Orlovsky says it's on its way potentially to winning the national championship one more thing before we wrap up here today you've heard me talk about my friends at space dogs uh, it, it's a chance to get involved in the cryptocurrency world that's what space dog is all about uh they've got a lot of really cool pro uh, products for you right now that give you a chance to to learn more about this take the mystery out of crypto here a little bit and also just be involved with making more safer more secure transactions online so whether it's the uh dog's wallet the space card the uh the the dog's token all these uh, new opportunities are out there from Space Dogs. 
which is a, a company that's uh, run by UGA guys and gals, uh, folks who love UGA and love being a part of our audience here on Dog Nation and also want to help educate you on not just the world of crypto, but the specific products they have kind of in the crypto space, the dog's token, the dog's wallet, the space card. So you can find out more about this online at dogs.io. That's dogs.io. And you can uh, kind of get involved in that world with our friends at Space Dogs here today. All right, so as we're going to wrap up our program, as I said before, I hope Georgia does take that seriously. Dan Orlovsky, a lot of other folks talking about how great Michigan is. Maybe on Friday, Georgia can kind of go out there and prove some of those folks wrong. That'd be a pretty good level of motivation, I believe, and hopefully that's exactly what George will do. The next time we speak to each other, I will be live in Miami, technically probably Fort Lauderdale, but nonetheless, getting ready for the Orange Bowl down there. Fun in the sun. Can't wait to be doing that with you. And of course, in Miami yesterday, as we said earlier, the arrival of George Pickens and JT Daniels is kind of a blast of the past for us. But I'm going to give the golden shoe back to our buddy Jermaine King again. I did this once before. We were talking about the Crockett and Tubbs thing, the 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 Pickens, the 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 Daniels. Well, with them arriving yesterday, it seems like a pretty cool time to kind of bring that back. So let me show this on the screen here. The uh, two of them, we don't have that right now. Okay. Um, well, uh, nonetheless, that was our uh, golden shoe. Good job by Jermaine King getting that done. By the way, Gatorator countdown, 305 days from now. We will see you in Miami tomorrow. It's Dog Nation Daily presented by Engineered Solutions of Georgia. We'll look forward to talking to you then.